Have a car question? Ask the experts at 855-340-ZONE. You're listening to Utah Car Sense with Jeff Miller and Austin Horton. Presented by Mark Miller Subaru on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Welcome back, Utah Car Sense, presented by Mark Miller Subaru here on the Zone Sports Network. I'm Austin Horton, Jeff Miller with us, and Eric Jensen. Take your phone calls at 855-340-ZONE. 855-340-ZONE. Any questions, comments, stories, whatever you got, whatever you'd like to share, we'd love to hear it from you here on Utah Car Sense. We're here each and every Saturday, 10 a.m. to noon, and Jeff uh, and the good people at Mark Miller Subaru, both Southtown and Midtown, are open and uh, open for business and doing some cool things, including Jeff. Uh, we talk about this every week, but I think it's important to remind people: twenty-five mile radius, you get free pickup and drop off for your service right now. Yeah, it's been insanely popular what we do. We're we're really excited about what it's become. When we first started doing pickup drop off, we talked about it on the radio show what two years ago. Wow, has it been that long? Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, probably two years ago when we started MM Direct and. People liked it. It just never really kicked off. I mean, I think we were doing, I don't know, five or so a day hmm. at its peak, which people loved, and it was a good experience, and it was definitely worthwhile. But we got to the point now we're doing 50 a day. Wow. That's great for your concierge staff to have all that kind of work to go through. That's the best part, right? I mean, yeah. So we got the concierge staff busy, and, and people just the best part is people just love it. I don't know. I don't know why it took. I like. I wish it didn't take a pandemic for this to catch on like it has. But I don't know why it took a pandemic for it to catch on. From the second you told me about it, I was like, "This is a game changer." To not have to well, sit in a shop and wait. We've gotten a lot better at it. Our people are starting to get used to it, which is good. So, so people, if you've got, if you need. A car, and it doesn't have to be Subaru. Any maker model you service, right there in the in the service bay, is a, is applicable here. Yep. If you've got need of an oil change, brakes, whatever service you need, if you live within 25 miles of the Midtown or Southtown store, am I, am I right on that, Jeff? Yep. Then you can uh, sign up for that uh, pick up and drop off for free. They'll pick the car up, they'll take it in, they'll get it serviced. You pay for the service, they bring the car back to you. Simple as that. And obviously, you're taking every precaution to make sure that car comes back probably cleaner than when you took it. That's what we try to do. Our guys show up in full masks, gloves. If you don't want any contact, you can just leave your keys on the windshield, and we'll come out to your car and grab it. Like It doesn't need to be any contact to start on it, but it's been really popular for what we've been able to do. And I mean, right now, we're doing about 50 a day. And this is something I would assume you believe would stick around in popularity when this whole thing is over. Yeah, I was having this conversation um, with my guys actually yesterday. And I'm hoping that we keep this degree forever. Even yeah. I think it's better for the customer, it's better for our people, it just creates a better experience. So we're hoping to keep this level at 50 a day, if not higher, permanently. I think it's great. People can... Yeah. I think now that people are, understand the benefit of it, I think that that's not an issue. I mean, if you look at it right now, for example, at our Midtown store, we've got, let's see how many we got scheduled for the, today alone. I mean, if you look just today, we've got, oh, it's Saturday today. That's right. So let's look. It's like start Monday. So starting Monday of next week, we've got 
26 scheduled on Monday at Midtown. <laughs> 21 Tuesday and 18 Wednesday. That's just so Midtown. We try and do three an hour. Wow. Uh, and this is, you know, within 25 miles right now during the uh, pandemic, it's free. But if you get the uh, Maintain the Love service package when you buy your lease from Mark Miller Subaru, it's included regardless, yep. right? Yeah. Yeah. So if you, if you buy a new car from us, it's included for the entire time and Maintain the Love for the two, first two years. You'll have free pickup drop-off. Right now for our customers, we're actually up to 40 miles too. So if okay. you're actually a Mark Miller Subaru customer who's bought a car from us, we'll actually go 40 miles. So we go around Park City, Heber. We'll go pretty good ways to go get your car. Okay, that's interesting because what would what typically happens at our house is my wife drives the cross check most of the time. Uh, it's got the she's got the baby more often than I do. We want the safety of the cross check for the baby and her, and then but when it needs servicing, I'll drive it to work and have you guys come pick it up for me at work because I live outside the twenty miles. But right now, sounds like I could go ahead and just take advantage with the forty miles. Yeah, for sure. For your in your situation, we would absolutely go to your house to pick it up. Now, while we're on the subject of my lease, uh, I got the letter in the mail that says, all right, it's coming up. Your My lease, I believe, is up in October, if not the first part of November. And I got the, the checklist in the mail of the things to look at, make sure the car is clean, make sure the car is, uh, you know, any damage I've done to the car I'm going to be responsible for. I, this is my first time going through turning in a lease, Jeff. What, how do I go about this? And, and not only is it my first time, it's my first time, in, and we're in a, in a pandemic right now. How do I go about doing this thing? So that's where it gets a little bit iffy because of scheduling inspections is a little bit more difficult these days. Mm-hmm. But what, when does your actual lease expire? Remind me on that. Uh, it's October, I think the middle of October. So as you get within 60, 90, 60 to 90 days of that end of the lease, Subaru will contact you, Chase will, and they'll arrange, they'll ask to do an inspection. And they'll send someone out to inspect the vehicle. Okay. And then they'll give you a report on whether it, there's anything in excess of the $1,000 damage. Things that you need to fix. Okay. Or or have to pay for. And so then you have the option then at the end of your lease to either, like we talked about before. So your options are you can either buy the lease out. So you have a number that was your residual that you can buy that car for that exact amount out, right? Mm-hmm. You can return it, just pay a disposition fee of a couple hundred dollars and just give the car back. Or you can trade it in and buy a new one. And and buy or lease a new one, right? Yeah. Yeah. So what we'll do is we'll look at the car when you trade it in and say, okay, your residual, you know, let's actually look up, you don't mind, we'll use actual numbers. That's that's fine. Yeah, that's fine. So you're an 18 cross track. So your car, let me pull it up real quick. So your car, your residual on that vehicle is $21,509. So if I wanted to buy it, that's what it would cost me. So if you wanted to buy it, you'd have to pay that plus sales, because you haven't paid sales tax on that money yet, right? Right. So you have to pay sales tax on that. And you would pay that. And re-registration fees and everything like that, and we could re- and we'll, we'd find a bank to finance it through, and yeah, we, we could you could own that car, right? Because I don't have twenty six thousand or whatever in cash, I'd cash. have to finance yeah. it, yeah. <laughs> exactly. So that's why you end up doing it that way. So we end up figuring out how to finance it and buy cash. You have to, generally you have to do that through a store because we have because we have to transfer title because the uh, title is in the leasing company's name now. 
So, but what we want, what you always want to do when you do that lease is like, for example, right now, how many miles are on? Uh, I think it was a 15,000 mile lease and we're at 13 something, I think. You're only at 13,000 miles? I think so. I could be wrong. If, like I said, my wife 15, drives it more than I do. So. Yeah, 15,000 miles over the whole term though. Right. 15,000 miles per year. Oh, sorry. Yeah. That's so, what would that, what yeah, were you at? We're you at, were at in we're October, at 20, you were at 28,000 miles. Okay. So we're probably 31, I'm going to say. 32. So what we'll do is we'll grab that car and we're going to look at it and say, what do we think that car is worth? Right? So we'll do an appraisal on the vehicle and say, so say we do an appraisal on that car. So right now my guess is that car is probably, look at the number on it. I mean, the used car market soft right now, like we talked about, right? Yeah. Because everything's dropped on it. So I'd say right now that car is probably worth 20500 Okay. So it's worth, it's worth less than the residual. Right. So what you want to do on a car like that, when your car is worth less than the residual is you don't buy it. You trade, you trade it in or you, or you get rid of it and buy something else. Because essentially what that means is that the payment you made for the past three years wasn't enough. Right. So you got a, you got a deal. Exactly. Yeah. That car depreciated more than the bank thought it would. And so what's going to happen is you, especially considering you still have another four months. Right, five right. months. Yeah. So the idea is, even in five months, that car might be worth even less. Who knows? It could be worth more. You never know what the market's going to do. But the odds are you're going to get to the end of this lease, and you're going to you're going to want to go to the extent. For me, looking at this right now, you're going to want to go to the extent of the whole lease, and then turn it in. Uh, yes, that's. I think that's what we were thinking of doing the day we leased it. Yeah, uh, you're not gonna. That's a. I mean, a 67 percent residual for three years is a really high residual. Yeah. So you're gonna you're gonna want to turn that car in in October and release something else. And that's the plan. And and that's where I wanted to talk to you about because that's we've pretty much decided that's what we'll be what we'll be doing, regardless of what the market does between now and then. I I think it'll probably that twenty thousand five hundred. I think it'll be less than that in October, but you never know. Like you said, the market might go. And right now, and the thing is, right now is this is why we look at stuff six months out because there have been situations on cars that we've seen in the past, like two years ago, Outbacks, for example, where the lease the lease numbers were low, the residual they guessed low, and so what happened was if six months out we would look at this lease and right now you could have traded that Outback in and had a thousand dollars toward your next one. Right. And that was the so hope. Right now, if you, but... right now, your payoff on that car is probably so you got five payments left, fifteen hundred. I mean, your payoff's probably twenty three grand. Okay. Twenty two five to twenty three grand. It's worth twenty thousand five. So you'd have to take if you wanted to trade that car in right now, you'd take a two grand hit. Right. Which that's not going to be. Which you're not going to do. It, it doesn't no. make any sense. Yeah. So what we recommend right now is keep that car through the entire lease, and when we get close to the end of the lease. We'll do a turn in where you'll just turn the car back into Subaru and get a new one. And that's we've graduated a bit now, Jeff, because when we leased the Crosstrek, it was the perfect size for me and my wife. We loved that size of that thing. And there's still and you plenty of space that in it. Kids have a lot of stuff, didn't you? I, we had a baby, and with a baby comes about two warehouses full of junk that you have to Amazing. carry everywhere you require, go. Right? Yes. Just a little human being. Yes, and so we've graduated a bit, and we've been looking. The Outback has a little more room in it. 
My wife recently's had her eye though on the Forester, which has me excited because I really like the Forester a lot. The, I really like the Forester too. The twenty twenty four. Really good upgrade from the Crossjack. And so uh, hopefully you have some uh, availability for us come this fall. Yeah, I think I think by fall, I mean obviously you never know what's going to happen. Yeah. Right. You don't know if there's another quarantine coming in the fall. Right, where they shut down factories again, or who knows what happens in the world, right? Right. But I, I think that would be a good move for you, your family to make is to move from that cross check over to a four check. What's the biggest difference uh, other than size? And the size is not. It's not like we're going from a cross check here to a, a fleet van, from from a cross check to a Forester. But there's a considerable more more amount of size in that, isn't there? Yeah, you could be. A, it's a lot. It's a bigger car for sure. It's a lot bigger car, and it's gonna be a little, it's gonna be a smoother ride. You're gonna feel a little higher on the road than you do in a Crosstrek. Okay. Feel more like an SUV, like the Forester compared to an Outback and a Crosstrek. The Outback and the Crosstrek are more low to the ground, off roady. Right. Where uh, the Forester feels more like a full size SUV, a little bit higher off the road, more like an Ascent. Uh, but not as big as the Ascent, obviously. Not as big as the Ascent, yeah. and the, I think the Forester might drive drive a little bit smoother than the Crosstrek. Why is that? Just being up it's higher? It's built more for that. It's, okay. it's built less for high ground clearance and less rugged. Mm-hmm. Okay. But I, I mean, those Foresters are great cars. You'll really love to switch to a Forester. Uh, and, uh, I would look at the Outback, too. I'd have her drive both the Outback and the Forester and see what she likes better. Yeah, her sister has an Outback, and we've driven it a few times, and we love we love the Outback. This gal super makes such good vehicles. I would I would be tickled if we could somehow get me a legacy and her the forester or outback but we're not that's not in the cards this time unfortunately <laughs> i'm in love with that legacy man i love i love those, those legacy sedans it's sad that they just the interesting thing is there's a lot of words to get back to the car stuff like there's a lot of people out there that talk because of the fear of people driving ubers and how fast uber i think uber for the first time in its history didn't report an increase in users really per quarter. Jeez. First time in their history. Wow. Uber didn't have more users in the quarter before. Wow. Not good. Worldwide. And so what they're, some of the people in the auto industry think is that because of that, it might lead to a resurgence of the sedan. Interesting. That you might see the sedan market come back because of that idea of people driving themselves more. Hmm. That you might see sedans come back around, which I don't know if it's true or not, but the sedan market the last few years has been pretty stagnant well to to cap the the least segment here I, I i'm very 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 happy like you were just doing the numbers for us here live on the air and it sounds like we made a really good decision leasing that car uh oh, you definitely did. i mean if you look at that car what the residual should have been on that car i mean you probably were two grand high on the residual okay 15 maybe 1500 high on the residual so if you look at what your payment was compared to what it should have been I mean, you probably were forty bucks a month, lower a month, yeah, than it should have been based on what the residual should have been. So your three and a quarter payment should have been three sixty five, three seventy. Wow. Yep. Based on the actual depreciation of the car. Yeah, we got a steal then. That's great. And that's why you, and, and that's why we've argued for so many years on the show. That that's why you lease. Because guess what happens is now that. Subaru made a mistake, or Chase made a mistake on guessing what that residual is, and Chase takes the hit, not you. 
I like you're that. You're not going to take that. You're not going <laughs> to take that fifteen hundred. If you would have bought that car, you would have taken that fifteen hundred dollar hit when you traded it in. Yeah. Which that's so, not going to be the thing. So. Yep. Great, great decision, and that's why I and I used to be the of the belief that leasing was a trick and you should never do a lease and on and on and on. And I think I'll never not do a lease now. How part good of that reason is that be. auto manufacturers did a pretty good job of making lease ends difficult for customers hmm. and trying to make their money back at the end of the lease and make a bad experience. And then uh, most manufacturers have figured out now that they need to make that end of lease experience as amazing as they possibly can to get someone to lease again. Right. And it's better for the auto manufacturer for them to lease. So they're making the experience and the policies a lot more consumer friendly than they ever were. Where it got bad rap is that leasing back 10, 15 years ago, you trade your lease in and they'd, oh, well, that thing has a quarter inch scratch on the door. That's going to be 50 bucks. And they'd, nick, they'd nitpick you for every little thing. Now you just don't see that anymore. Good. With most manufacturers. Hey, this is, a, say all. this is a crazy story here uh, out of North Carolina. 19 minors ranging in age from 9 to 16 years old, 9 years old, are suspected of stealing vehicles worth more than $1 million from auto dealerships in the Winston-Salem area. 46 vehicles valued at $1.138 million were stolen from 12 different dealerships beginning March 17. The thefts occurred during 18 break-ins, and police said several dealerships were targeted twice. All but six of the vehicles, though, have been recovered. Police said they have not been able to arrest the miners so far. Detectives have identified 19 juveniles known to be involved in these thefts. Those juvies range in age from 16 to 9 years of age. Detectives have sought and thus far have been denied secure custody orders from the county department uh, to, of just juvenile justice to involve uh, and arrest them. Uh, Why can't they arrest them? They have apprehended one adult suspect, though, to be who is suspected to be involved in the crimes because the Department of Juvenile Justice is blocking them from some reason from going and arresting these juveniles. Some <laughs> uh, like some good kids. Reminds me of the kid, the the, the Joyride kid. That's, that's what I was just going to bring up as well. Yeah, let's talk about that. Dude, How crazy! Six-year-old kid takes his parents' car out of the driveway, gets on the freeway. How did this six-year-old find the freeway? And he could bear he couldn't see over the dashboard, according to the uh, officer that pulled him over. Right. He, he was stretched out so far to reach the how pedals. Himself, yeah. How does he get himself onto the freeway? Like I, I can see like a possibility of one of my kids getting my car out of the garage, but he's not going to get to the freeway. He's going to crash at the end of the driveway. Yeah, he's going to run into a fence or another house or something. Right. Or car, but like, how did the kid got to a freeway? That's pretty impressive. It, it's impressive, and it sounds like he was not the best driver. So no, props best, to everyone around being aware and getting away from him. Three dollars in his pocket to go to California to buy a Lamborghini. <laughs> such, a, such a funny story, and, and there's been an uproar uh, over this, and I don't understand it. The kid's five. The, they they totally. hung, they didn't do anything negligent. They had their keys hanging on a hook uh, by the door, like all of us do. It's not well, like, totally. and he just was on the counter every day. Exactly. It was a five-year-old that decided, Hey, I've got access to a car. They're not going to take me. I'm going to take myself. Uh, what are you going to do? Arrest the parents for going to work that day? Come on. They Silliness. Won't let me buy a Lamborghini. Those horrible parents. 
Uh, and, horrible parents. And I even liked the idea that someone then brought a Lamborghini over to his house and had him ride around in the Lamborghini for a couple minutes. That was pretty cool. But really, aren't you just rewarding a six-year-old? I'm sorry? Aren't you just rewarding them to do it again? <laughs> That's the argument, yeah. That's what people are mad about. I, I don't, I don't right, think so. Right, put the kid in the Lamborghini. Now, now he's like, ah, so... Now I just need to steal the other car and say I wanted to buy a Ferrari and I'm not going to drive Ferrari. <laughs> no. I think, I think this is a one-and-done, uh, get-out-of-jail-free situation here, you Jeff. Think you think it's a one-and-out? <laughs> I don't think he can become a serial joyrider and get away with it every time. Yeah, And that's <laughs> where the parents the are now responsible. You have to do it twice, right? Exactly, yeah. And that's where the it's parents like are now on the hook. <laughs> Because if the kid continues to do it, then they've got a situation on their hands no, where they're going to be in trouble. Got to worry about things. But that made international news this week, this past week. Oh my gosh! It was like on like the Today Show, wasn't it? I I'm sure it was. I saw it on BBC. So that's uh, uh, it's incredible how fast stuff moves these days. And did you watch the entire press conference with the uh, highway patrol trooper that pulled him over? No, I didn't. Oh, you've got to. It's 11-something minutes long, and he, the entire time, this poor officer is trying so hard to remain serious and, and diligent about this is, I'm a police officer, I'm on a news camera, I gotta, but he's just cracking smiles and holding back laughs the whole time. It's it's a blast. you got to watch that thing. Oh my gosh, that's so funny. Uh, and the trooper, he's only been a trooper for just over a year. This is, I don't know if he'll ever top this. This is crazy. Yeah, right? Pulling over a five-year-old or six-year-old on the freeway. <laughs> oh, man. All right, there's, here's some tips on uh, how to get your car washed and the best way to do it to protect your car. Now, before I do that, something cool you guys have done for years at Mark Miller Subaru, Jeff, is you wash your cars. You've got a car wash there, obviously, for the cars, but you recycle the water. How did you come about? How does that work? It was part of when we were designing our stores and looking for ways to be more green. Um, we just looked at it when we looked at our car wash companies. That was one of the options they had out there. And it just it saves a lot of money and saves a lot of water. So we, they put cisterns and tanks and it just it filters and reuses the water over and over and over again. It's amazing. I, I love that. That's terrific. Now, someone can't just drive in off the street and get a car wash at your place. That's for your, your fleets, right? That's for your cars. Yeah, it's our internal car washes. We don't have no, we don't have open car washes. It's not a, it's not a Willie's car wash. This is a for the cars on no, the lot. But, but a lot of the car washes out there do this, and it's because it's it saves them money in the long term. Saves money, exactly. saves the environment. I love it. It's great. Yeah, it's win win for everybody. Well, here are some tips from Autoblog on where to get your car washed. They say brushless is best. And here's why, and it makes sense. Some older car washes are still using abrasive brushes instead of cloth, which can obviously leave small scratches in a car's finish. On older cars with single-stage paint, you know, no clear coat above the color coat, light scratches could usually be buffed out, but on modern cars, they use a base clear system with a thin, transparent layer of clear coat on top of the underlying color coat to provide the shine. And once that thin, clear coat is damaged, often the only way to destroy the shine is to repaint the damaged area. They also say another safer bet is the touchless car wash, which that's the way I go, Jeff. I always go touchless. I don't know about you when you go to the car wash or whatever, but I I always go touchless just because one time I when I had a car several years ago in college, I went to uh, a car wash and it had those 
hanging down cloth things, and it ripped my antenna off the hood of my car. And so I've since then I've always gone touchless. I like that better. Makes sense. Uh, they also say uh, make sure that uh, uh, this next uh, watch, watch out for the after wash wipe down. And you've seen this where you go to car washes at places they'll have either a bucket of rags or availability of rags or they'll have a team of people that come and uh, uh, wipe off the, the excess water off your car for you. Well, you want to make sure you take a quick look at those rags that are being used and make sure they are clean and preferably dry and soft, obviously. Always soft, but make sure they're clean because if they have little pieces of dirt or, 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 or grime in it, it's going to scratch your car as well. Something that uh, you want to be aware of. And then they suggest holding off on the extras, which I didn't. I, I Whenever I go get a car wash, I always, you know, it's like a buck extra for the, the ultimate or whatever. And so I always just do the ultimate. I don't know what's, I don't even know necessarily if it's doing me any good. But here's what they say. A works car wash can cost twice as much as the basic wash, but you may not be getting twice the wash for your money. Undercarriage rust proofing, for example, is of dubious value. Effective rust proofing is applied to brand new metal in order to seal it from contact with external corrosives such as road salt. Most new cars are extensively rust proofed at the factory during the assembly process. Further treatment, therefore, is superfluous and a money waster. On the other hand, if the wash offers an undercarriage bath, it may be worth the additional cost. Jets of water sprayed directly underneath the car break loose accumulated crud that would be difficult to try to remove yourself using a garden hose. It's also important that underbody drainage holes not be obstructed by mud and other buildup. Accumulated moisture can accelerate rust uh, or, in the case of the air conditioning system, lead to the formation of mold. The undercarriage bath should keep those drain holes clear. Do, do, however, they say, think twice about spray-on wax. This typically adds at least a couple of bucks to the cost of the wash, and while it doesn't hurt anything, it's no substitute for the old-fashioned hand-applied polisher wax. Spray-on wax may provide a short-term gloss enhancement, but it doesn't protect against UV sun damage the way hand-applied wax does. The one thing they say, though, to spring for is the wheel and tire cleaning because uh, it'll do a great job of removing baked-on brake dust, etc., that can otherwise be a real chore to clean on your own. Uh, so there you go. When you're going for the works, it might give you more peace of mind, but the only real thing you're getting for the extra money is that wheel and tire cleaning. I don't know. Even, the, even though I read that, Jeff, it just makes me feel better when I get that undercarriage bath on my car. Today, I'm really taking care of my baby. Exactly. Right? Right. Yeah, it's, uh, it's an, yeah, it's that, an that extra buck. Thing is definitely true, though. So we, we stopped doing undercoating a while Did you? ago. Because it, it, just with the, what the factory does now, it just doesn't make a lot of sense. They used to call it sound guard, where yeah. it was an undercoat that would literally put an undercoat on the entire bottom of the car and it would seal the bottom. And it would make it quieter inside the car. But it, just with what the factory does now and the sealants they do, it, it just it's a superfluous thing. And and then the final thing they say here is finally make sure your car is okay before you leave the car wash. And even though most, if not all, car washes have that disclaimer poster not responsible for damage, if you find damage, it wouldn't hurt to get the manager on the horn and show it to them. Perhaps in the interest of customer relations, they might offer to fix it anyhow, if, especially if it's a small uh, thing that was damaged by their equipment. So there you go. Yep. 
totally. some some tips about car washes. All right, we'll take our final break. We'll come back on the other side here on Utah Car Sense, presented by Mark Miller Subaru, and talk a little bit about the trains that are just filling up the train yards here in Salt Lake and other things next on Utah Car Sense. You're listening to Utah Car Sense with Jeff Miller and Austin Horton. Presented by Mark Miller Subaru on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Welcome back. Utah Car Sense presented by Mark Miller Subaru here on The Zone Sports Network. Final segment here. Getting you up to noon here on The Zone Sports Network on a Saturday. I'm Austin Horton here with Jeff Miller. And uh, we uh, were just looking in the break before we get back to the car talk. Jeff, we were talking about most <clears throat> disliked people in jazz history, not necessarily teammates or, or people that have been on the roster or around the team, but those who have been uh, uh, that have done the roster or the team wrong. And one of those names that came up was Roni Cycli. And you discovered something about Roni Cycli I had never heard before. Apparently, he's a musician. What, like, what kind of musician? Like he's a singer? Many EPs, including House Call. Like, like, literally, he's got a full mix album. Oh my gosh, you're right. He's got. He's a techno DJ. He ran his own radio show on Sirius XM called Sugar Free Radio. <laughs> Sugar Free 2017. What? Oh my yeah, gosh. Apparently, he's doing pretty well for himself. Uh, a model named a Brazilian model. Wow. Age 54 years old. Man, time flies. Uh, yeah, the guy that's, that uh, was traded to the Jazz but said, nah, I ain't coming, right? And remember Chris Morris and Greg Foster coming back through the airport and uh, getting the interview, and Greg Foster said, ah, it's a business that happens, and Chris Morris saying, I'll never forgive the Utah Jazz, <laughs> which was funny. We had we had Chris Morris on during that uh, uh, NBA Finals. Oh, they tried to trade Chris Morris. Yes. <laughs> that's right. And we had Chris Morris on the big show during the reunion a few years back, and he said all has been forgiven, and he was a young kid at the time, and he had some fun with it. But I do remember that at the time. that uh, And some people were really mad about Roni Cycli uh, saying no to the trade. But he seems to have had a better music career than his NBA career. That's for yeah, sure. he seems to have done pretty well for himself. I think next week we ought to play some uh, Roni Cycli music. Maybe he should be band of the day next week here on The Zone. I don't know. I think Gordon would really like that. <laughs> All right, uh, let's talk about the train situation up here in North Salt Lake. Now, I used to live in North Salt Lake, and the number I had one reason above all else that I wanted to move away from North Salt Lake, and that was the damn trains that were constantly blocking my path. And I don't, I like they. There was three ways to get past them, and there were at least ten times in the three and a half, four years I lived there. When all three ways to get over the train tracks were blocked by the same train, which is supposed sure. to be illegal, because what if like there was stop, an emergency? Like yes, yes. Uh, they were so long. The trains were so long, obviously longer than the uh, amount uh, allowed length of a train, and they would be stopped, and they'd back up to load another train uh, car on, and then pull forward, and the, the you couldn't get past them. And what if? We had an emergency. This was something I thought about all the time. Well, KSL's John Hollenhorst did an investigation into this situation. 
And what it turned up was, among other things, that there are $600 million worth of train engines just sitting in these railroad yards up there in North Salt Lake. Just sitting. Apparently, really? Union, uh, Union Pacific has decided to uh, pare down their fleet of engines that they use. Not, not for any other reason than, uh, let's see, the company's financial reports show that nationally the company sidelined 3,100 locomotives by the end of last year. That's about 40% of the company's engines. It's a normal part of the railroad's operation to keep some locomotives in storage. The stored engines are waiting and ready to respond to fluctuations in the rail business. So what has happened is the demand for rail uh, transportation has fallen such that 40% of their engines have now been put into storage right excuse me right here in North Salt Lake and they're just chilling they're just sitting there and the problem with this and this is what is causing some of these delays on the train lines there is they have to kind of play like a game of not tetris but what's that game where you have to move the little cubes around to get the 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 car through the the opening it's like a stratagem game they have to sit there and move these engines around in order to get certain cars back on the rails and get the train moving again. And that's what's taking so long on these train stoppages. And it's completely against the rules and regulations and laws to be doing this. And they say that they're looking into it and a Union Pacific person is supposed to call back and talk about it, but... This, this is something I think needs to be addressed, Jeff. All these iron horses, as he says, are waiting in their pasture for the day when they're called back to work. I don't, I don't know. It, that's fine. If you want to store your engines here, I really don't have a problem with it as long as they're not you know, causing pollution or anything. But they should not be causing me to not be able to get to and from emergencies. Yeah, especially if they're blocked. Like, it's one thing to like, park them somewhere, but to park them somewhere where they're blocking roads. Yeah, so well the 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 rail yard is such where they when they have to get uh, a certain car from the rail yard and add it to a train, they have to then move these engines out of the way to get that car to the track. Does that make sense? And so that's what takes so long. That's why the trains are stopped so long uh, on these train crossings is because they're having to move the engines back and forth to make room for this truck or. Uh, the, the, the rail car to get to the track attached to the train and then carry forward. Following all their employees, there's probably not enough employees to even do all this stuff. Yes, exactly. They, they have uh, fired or uh, a bunch of employees have taken early retirement. Now you get a full pension uh, as a rail, rail yard worker, which is, which is the draw for a lot of people to go into that. But you have to be a certain age before you get that full pension. And there's been uh, thousands over the last three or four years, thousands of employees that have had to take that partial pension uh, because they've been out of work. So I'm empathetic to that. I understand. But, man, they should not. If you need to store these cars, go ahead and store them. But in a way and in a place that doesn't cause these trains to be stopped forever. I don't know if it's that easy, though. Well. What what it's gonna it's what's gonna happen is someone's gonna die in the back of an ambulance, unable to get to a hospital because of a train. That's probably gonna fix it all. And and that will get things going. And unfortunately, that's what it's gonna take. But anyway. So shifting back, have you seen the stuff about so the Tesla factory, Elon Musk was fighting again? 
Uh, no. Uh, the only Elon Musk news I saw this week was he had a child and named it something that you can't. It's not yeah, a word. California told him he couldn't, though, didn't they? Didn't they put the kibosh on it? Oh, the name of the child? Yeah, I think they told him no. Oh, really? Okay. Because <laughs> one of the letters doesn't exist in the human alphabet? Right. Yeah, that's probably, you can't name someone something that doesn't exist. How are you going to put that on a driver's license or a birth yeah, certificate? Right? Yeah. Are they just trying to make this kid's life hard? <laughs> yeah. The kid has no choice in the matter, and his life is already yeah, going to be terrible. He's already going to be a hard life, but at least name him like John Smith or something. Like make his <laughs> life easier, at least one part of his life. Right, I agree. I agree. So what's the the fight he's in though with the factory? That they won't let him open the factory. Oh, in California, yeah. Yeah, they must not reopen this factory as long as the coronavirus remains in effect. The local county health department said. And he's going to... After comments came after Tesla CEO, Elon Musk told employees Thursday evening a limited production restart the factory on Friday afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> oh, geez. Uh, and, of course, he's been on Twitter uh, insulting people over this. Uh, Alameda County, where the factory's been located, is scheduled to remain shut until the end of May. The, Newsom, the governor of California, Newsom, says the state's not telling local governments to modify their orders. So it's up to the county. The county's selling them no. And he says he's going to sue them and move out of the move the factory elsewhere. Blah 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 blah. Yeah, Come it's on. not as easy as it sounds. <laughs> you can't just move a factory. It's not a it's not a pop tent. You can't just fold it up and go find another spot. Ah, oh, this guy. Well, he's also going to sell all of his houses and all of his worldly. Yeah, what's up with that, by the way? Because he's couching that as. He is some kind of a moral thing, like he's above everyone. He's doing the right thing by doing that. I wonder if he's like into some kind of financial trouble. He needs all the money to pay off the the mafia or something weird. I don't know. Oh, he's a weird individual. He's interesting. How, he's not a trustworthy human. Uh, and how much do you remember the uh, amount? Of his real estate, a hundred million dollars, I think, is what he owns in yeah. real estate. And he's supposed to get a seven hundred fifty million dollar bonus this month, I think. And and he's going to have no house to live in. He says, "What? Where are you going to? Where are you going to stay? Hotels? I don't know. Just constantly rent. in hotels. You're probably just rent houses. Gal, <laughs> would you yeah, rent your house to Elon Musk? Money. Oh gosh, no. <laughs> Whatever. When uh, Carlos Boozer rented his house to Prince. Uh, yes. And it came back. <laughs> Prince painted it purple? <laughs> yes, exactly. Oh, it's incredible. <laughs> and it wasn't just purple. He, he striped the carpets and, and installed like a Prince, uh, 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 symbol on the, on the pool or something weird. Yeah. And they had to go to court over it on and on and on. Unbelievable. <laughs> when you write your house for Prince, you gotta be expecting some crazy stuff going to happen. <laughs> uh, the Utah, Utah Highway Patrol says the number of vehicles traveling on Utah's freeways have obviously been down uh, during this time. And cars, fewer cars on the road means fewer crashes on the freeway. But interestingly enough, the fatal wrecks have remained the same. According to statistics from UDOT, the number of vehicles on I-15 in Salt Lake County steadily decreased from uh, March 15th to April 5th, reaching a low point at one point of just 50% of the regular number of vehicles on the road. Uh, the heaviest travel day for I-15 in Salt Lake County uh, was the day after Easter, according to UDOT. 
and traffic was at 75% of normal. But, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, the fatal crashes, despite having fewer vehicles and fewer crashes, there have been 59 fatalities from the beginning of the year through uh, this date morning compared to 63 during the same time last year. Why do you think that is? Why do you think with fewer cars on the road, we still have the same number of fatality uh, crashes, Jeff? So we've seen the same thing. So we all obviously have our collision center at our Midtown location, and our business that collision center is down 50% hmm. because of the fact no one's traffic is what leads to crashes. But crashes that happen in traffic are generally low speed. Okay. Generally fender benders, someone slams on the brake, they run into the back of them. You're going 30 miles an hour, no one gets hurt. Right. Right. When when you're talking about open roads, people look at, oh, I got to go 90 miles an hour now. I got to go 95. Like, right. Yeah. So people are driving faster, which leads to bigger crashes and more dangerous crashes. So most of the crashes we're seeing in the collision center are totals. Okay. Not fender benders. Because of speed. Yeah. Because when speed is up, the likelihood of a fatal collision or a serious collision is much higher whereas when there's traffic and people are all going 30 40 miles an hour it's going to be fender benders highway of bad for a collision center yeah that's not good highway patrol lieutenant nick street said it's not it is speed but it can't alone be blamed for the number of fatal crashes he said that speed plus distracted driving plus no seatbelts has been the factor uh, more often than not so not only are people now speeding more because there's less cars in front of them and around them, but they're still looking at their phones. They're also looking at their phones more often, and this, uh, people aren't wearing their proper seatbelts or wearing their seatbelts yeah. properly. So, I think with less cars on the road, people are definitely not paying attention as much, and you're definitely seeing that. And the other interesting one with the lack of driving is air quality. The air quality is like, it's like the nicest best it's ever been at this time of year. Yep, that's a benefit of this. Uh, we got a few minutes left. Let's fit in a phone call or two. 855-340-ZONE. 855-340-ZONE is our number, and Mark is waiting on the line. Hi, Mark. Hey, guys. How's it going? Good. I just wanted to thank you for keeping your show going because it's really helping with the sanity. I just get something completely, well, not completely corona-free, but somewhat corona-free. It's, it's interesting to listen to the topics you guys talk about each week. Uh, my question today, and this is going back to your car wash discussion, what do they do? Do they filter out the, you know, the, the stuff that collects after the car wash? Do they filter that water, or what happens? Yeah, we just we have, a, we have a filtration system. It goes through, and it filters it out and makes the water. Because the, the water to a wash car doesn't need to be pure water. It just needs to be clean of debris and things like that. So as long as we can clean that out and get the right mixtures on it, it, it makes it clean to be able to wash the car. We bought our car at uh, the Southtown location, and I remember how clean it looked. Now, I know it was also detailed and everything else, but you guys have a great car wash. I wish it was open to the public. But thanks, <laughs> thanks again for the show, and thanks for the great wash. Thank you, Mark. Yeah, appreciate thank you, Mark. That. Appreciate it. And he's right. We, we, aren't, we aren't completely corona news-free here on the Utah Car Sense show. It, it does impact the car industry, but... I'm glad to hear Mark say that, Jeff, because we've we've made a concerted effort to keep the show entertaining and interesting without focusing completely on COVID. Totally. Uh, and uh, so we appreciate Mark uh, listening in and calling. Thank you for that. 
the uh, okay, I was just pulling up. Yeah, one hundred million dollars is the real estate portfolio total for Elon Musk. That's crazy. He's not going to be able to unload all that. This is personal profile. Exactly. Right. The stuff he owns. All right. Back to the phone lines. 855-340-ZONE. John has now called in. Hi, John. Good morning, gentlemen. Love your show. Thank you. Called before, but I do have kind of a slightly different question. If one were to purchase a new vehicle in Salt Lake City and have it transferred physically by truck, rail, however they do it, to another state. Um, is that not, not possible? I know it's possible, but what are the costs and advantages or disadvantages of doing that? Buying it locally, just, transferring to, to another state. Instead of just buying it in the other state? Yes, right. Uh, in, in lieu of buying it in the other state. Um, well, generally, when that happens, it has to do with tax issues. Where you, you want to pay sales tax in one state and not another, based on how. Could I give you the two states? I don't know yeah. if you would know if that would well, help. You. Texas, Utah versus Texas. If there's an advantage or disadvantage in buying in one state versus the other, I'm trying to be loyal here to Utah. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I guess that's what yeah. I'm. So you buy it in Utah, but you have need of it in Texas. I see what you're saying. That's Texas, correct. because of oil right. and stuff like that, most of the sales tax rates are going to be pretty similar to what a Utah rate is, so you're not going to save any money to do it. Okay, so sales tax rates are fairly common, or fairly competitive. Um, competitive. Where, in Texas are you going to, where would you register the car in Texas? Uh, north, northwest of Dallas. No, northeast of Dallas, sorry. A suburb of what, Dallas. What city but, is it? Um, yes, you would say that. Uh, <laughs> this is crazy. How embarrassing. Melissa. There we go. Melissa. We we have a new home there. Cool. And um, So just, Melissa, Texas sales tax rate is a little bit higher. So the tax rate there is eight and a quarter oh. versus seven, low sevens here, depending on what, what city. So you're going to pay an extra 1% in sales tax buying it there. So for on a $30,000 car, you're talking $300. The cost is wow. going to cost you to ship a car to Texas for one car. Yes. It's going to be in the yeah, one vehicle. Dollars. Say again. I'm not quite picking $1,000 to, to transfer. Oh, oh, wow. Oh, geez. Okay. So if you're going to buy it here and drive is it there, down there. Well, could a dealer here... Take the transaction, but take delivery so here's in Texas. Here's an example too. Like hmm. so, like I know a good dealer, a good super dealer in Dallas. I can sell you a car here and have them drop ship it to the dealer in Texas. A new, it has to be a new car, and I have you pick it up at yes. the dealer well, in Texas. That, I can do that. Okay, that's maybe yeah. No, it so would so be a new, new vehicle. Be loyal to us or loyal to Utah. You can buy a Subaru from us, and we can have a drop ship to a friend of mine in Texas, and have you pick it up there. Oh wow. Wow, that is wonderful. That's uh, well, is there? I mean, that the dealer here would get commission. I mean, that's what I'm trying to do, I guess. And then the delivery would the, the, some fee down there would have to be paid for to receive the yeah, vehicle. Yeah, you look at it and figure out how to register because you'd want to register it in Texas. You wouldn't want to register it in Utah. So you pay. You end up paying sales tax and everything down in Texas, but we can sell it to you. Yes. Okay. I'd pay the the penalty would be the higher sales tax in Texas, 
but yeah, it but is. Technically, if, you're, if the car is going to be registered in Texas, you should be paying that sales tax anyways, from a legal standpoint. Is there delivery fee or the other fees that might be on a new new vehicle? Would they be no. virtually the same? I mean, you know, no. all that stuff would be the same. Okay, all right. Well, all right. That's that's very very helpful. Appreciate it. Love the program, gentlemen. I'll tell you this, John. I've been Googling images of Melissa, Texas. It looks like a lovely place to live. Congratulations. Looks like we lost John. Uh, Anyway, looks like (laughs) a nice place to live. All right, back out to the phone lines, 855-340-ZONE. Paul has been waiting for us. Hi, Paul. How are you guys doing? I just listened about uh, the cause of accidents in the state of Utah. My book on this is uh, there's three causes. One the horn, one the brakes, and one the finger. <laughs> now, in that order? Or? That order. What order does that go in? <laughs> it goes the, go the horn, the brakes, and the finger. <laughs> okay. Yeah, hopefully I, uh, seen, I follow that order. I don't know. I seen something the other day that I had never seen before in my entire life. And uh, going up 100 south, uh, just before you get to Redwood Road, there's a chapel. And on top of that chapel was two geese. And I've never seen anything like that before in my life. <laughs> Just sitting there. Crazy. Thank you, Paul. Thanks for calling in. That's funny. The the horn, the brake, and the finger. Thank you so much. That was awesome. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, we got some good good listeners and good callers here, Jeff. Uh, yes, we do. Did you see, real quick before we leave for the week, did you see the streets in Salt Lake being converted to pedestrian and bicycle traffic only? Yeah, for some people have places to walk around and socially distance themselves. Yeah, so they tried this first between 500 North on Redwood Road and out to 800 West in Salt Lake City, and it's just been uh, no cars, only people on bikes and and, uh, walking around. And that worked Uh so well that now they've uh, decided to do it again uh, closer to downtown. Where is that going to be? Oh, God, of course, I just lost the address. But they're doing it uh, not just out there west now. They're going to bring it and do it also near downtown, according to Mayor Aaron Mendenhall. As it's getting warmer, we all want to get outside, and this gives people a good place to go exercise and and walk around but also stay distant from one another rather than if you went to the park or whatever. It might be jam-packed full. This gives you space to throw a Frisbee or whatever and not have to worry about traffic. I thought that was really cool. I like that idea, too. That was a really good idea. Well, you keep the good fight going there at uh, Mark Miller Subaru for another week, you Jeff. You as well. And, Gordo, uh, under wraps, you're doing a good job keeping him sane? No, nah, I mean, it's hard. It's near impossible. It's like cold fusion, but we do it somehow every day. The FCC <laughs> hasn't shut us down yet. So, <laughs> All right, yeah, Jeff. That's Jeff Miller. You have a good week, sir. You as well. Have a good week, guys. Talk to you next week. Uh, I'm Austin Horton. This has been Utah Car Sense.